It's July the 8th. We're reading through the Bible in a year, and the two chapters in the Old Testament that you'll be reading today are Job chapters 38 and 39. Little heads up here, we've reached uh, the apex of the book in the sense that all of the discussion that's been going on about God and what He's doing, what the rules of God are, and how God is just, and how this isn't fair, and all the things that they've been dealing with, Job and his three friends, and then of course the fourth who comes in to speak, Elihu, they've all given their insight, and Job has really demanded that he put God on trial, and so God steps onto the scene and basically says, it's my turn to talk. And here he goes and says, let's let's do it. You answer me, Job. And through a series of rhetorical questions, we read for two chapters today of God basically saying, well, you know so much about me. You got everything figured out. Uh, why don't you answer these questions? Let's talk about creation. Let's talk about the creatures that I've made. Let's talk about the cosmos. Uh, you give me answers and tell me how all this works. Basically, it is a strategy that God uses to get everything in perspective, most importantly ourselves, when we're putting God on trial and demanding answers from Him. And He basically says, um, really, you don't have that right. You don't have the right when it comes to thinking that you are a peer with God, wanting to demand things of Him, actually. And the way we demand things of God, often we put ourselves in a superior place over God, and God gets all of that straightened out here by asking these questions. It's very effective. Read it, and you'll see this is a strategy in the Scripture used by God that is reflected elsewhere in the Bible, like in Romans chapter 11. We have some really tough chapters in the book of Romans in chapters 9, 10, and 11, dealing with God's sovereignty and man's responsibility and the culpability we have because of our sin. And after all of that, uh, basically, Paul gets to reflecting this argument in Job and saying, who are we to answer back to God? We've seen that throughout the prophets as people are uh, filled with consternation regarding God. They're frustrated at what God is doing. They don't understand it. And uh, at some point, we've got to say he is the potter and we are the clay. He is in charge and we are not. And that's very hard for us as human beings filled with hubris and pride, and we think we demand things of God and should be able to demand things of God, and God gets that all in perspective. Our New Testament reading is, you're going to read, is in the first half of Acts 15, and you'll see the heading there just about on any translation, but certainly in the English Standard Version, you'll see that Jerusalem Council. We've had a series of councils throughout church history where church leaders get together, and really you should know what has been, at least in the best of the councils, it's been the church saying, what does the Bible say about this? What do we understand thinking through the Scripture, what the Scripture demands in this particular situation, regardless of what it is. That's what we're trying to do as leaders get together to figure these things out. And in this case, the pressing question was, what do we do with the Gentiles? I mean, do we demand that they adopt the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament, as it stated in the very beginning of chapter 15, the customs of Moses? Now, that even is a hint, as I've tried to talk about the distinction between moral law and civil law and ceremonial law. I know we've talked about moral and ceremonial, but even that civil law is an important distinction to make. We've talked about that three compartmentalized, you know, buckets that we can put every law of the of the Mosaic law of the Old Testament into, even the whole Old Testament, all 39 books, we can say, is this a ceremonial law? Is this a civil law? Or is this a moral law? Of course, all the moral laws are always true, right? God has a demand on us regarding how we live our lives morally. And um, there's many things, of course, as we'll see even at the end of the Jerusalem Council here, that are always going to be the case. And we should always keep the moral commands of God. That ought to be what we strive for. That's a reflection of God's holiness. The ceremonial laws, though, the customs of Moses, those were used, of course, to make some distinctions between the people for the sake of Israel and producing the Messiah and all the things that God had promised to Abraham. So 
all of those now are no longer valid. And, and we're not just picking and choosing the Old Testament, and the critics like to say that about us, but we're not. We're saying, what kind of law is this? And so they say God is not showing a distinction in saving them, so we are not going to demand that they act uh, or treat uh, themselves as Jewish people and adopt the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. All right, our New Testament community imperative is found in Romans chapter 14, actually verses 15 through 19, and I won't take all the time to read all of that, but let me at least say that at the end of this discussion regarding the gray matters, the gray issues, I should say, the, 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 the disputable opinions about certain things that are not moral laws of God, he says, are we going to exercise our liberty and for that sake tear someone down in their Christian life and, and, and wound someone's conscience? So I just put it this way, limit your freedoms because you love each other. There are things that you have the right to do, but you know it's going to be a stumbling block, not just that someone doesn't like it, but they really are going to have a wounded conscience, so they're going to not going to understand it, or they're going to misunderstand your spirituality. In other words, how can you be a spiritually mature person and do that? And when there are those issues and questions, we limit our freedoms for the sake of love. And so I just put it that way, limit your freedoms because you love each other, and there's a good thing for us to think through how we can apply it today in the body of Christ. We'll be back tomorrow, uh, Lord willing, as we continue our reading through the Old and New Testament. Music